That a beautiful family. Let's give that family again another big round of applause. All right, so we are in. Both of our devices here are coming up slowly. All right, we are in day 22 of our Connect to Family uh, or our Connect 40 uh, campaign, and so this week we're focusing on the family. How many of y'all believe the family is important to God? So if you were able to do today's devotional, we'll be ministering right out of that devotional on today. So if you all would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. We'll be ministering to the entire family on today. Let's read verses 18 through 20. 18 through 20. When you get there, say amen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, actually. 18 through 21. Are you there? All right, it says, now it's interesting here that it's talking about the Christian home. And I want you to notice here that it really, in these four short verses here, he really wraps up and gives a wonderful synopsis of how the home should work. And it's interesting that the first thing he starts off with is wives submit. So he's saying the house can work if we could just get these wives to submit. You got jokes Look this at the morning. lady saying, you're not starting off too good you today. You got jokes this Let morning. <laughs> so he says, wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. We're going to talk a little bit today about what that looks like. Children, obey your parents in all things. Oh, they're all in youth service and other places around. (laughs) Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So number one, since he made it so eloquently clear, first verse there is, wives, submit to your own wives in verse 18. I mean, wives, submit to your own husbands. Oh, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. (laughs) Wives, submit to your own husbands for the purpose of recording. So right there, we automatically know that God expects order. Basically, that's what he's talking about. The word submit there is this Greek word called hupotasso. Hupotasso is a compound word, hupo and tasso. Hupo, is to, it, it means to make yourself subject to, to come under, to maintain a proper order. Tasso means as if a team, knowing that there's a coach and there are players and then there are Subplayers, sort of say. So it's meaning there, it speaks to the order of things. And in this, God says it is proper. This is what's ordained. This is how He set things in place from the beginning of time. Now, in that verse, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, your own. So you have this here double, propos- double possessive word, the two words right there, basically God is being very specific about who he wants you to submit to. I submit this to you. 
He says, submit, wives, not obey. Mm. Let's make this clear. A lot of husbands believe that, woman, you just do what I say. Just do what I say. Do what I say. A, B, I mean, just do what I say. It's not an overlording. It's not an overlording of authority or power, but the woman's willingness to submit, understanding that she's on the same team. And then when he's talking about your own, that word, those two words together there speaks to this Greek word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it means separate, individual, your own, the possessive, an individual. So in other words, we cannot, wives, I'm speaking to ladies from, from my heart, it's very important that we don't compare our husbands to that of other husbands that we observe. We shouldn't place our, base our expectations on what we believe we see other husbands do for their wives. I hear it all the time. Well, uh, people believe Pastor Gregory leads early morning prayer every Sunday, every morning. No, he don't. It's easy to think that he does, but we have our private, our individual. I'm very selfish with my time with my God. That's right. And he is too. We come together for prayer, especially when there are major things that we're praying about. We, we, we understand the power of agreement. And, and I understand even in situations that I might not agree with, we understand, I understand what that submit means. But it's important that we do not compare our husbands to other men or other husbands. Amen. Another thing we got to be very conscious of that submit does not always equal agreement. Now, it behooves us, especially if the man of God believes, man of God, man of God, believes that he heard from the Lord and he's firm on his, this decision, and we might not agree. And, but it behooves us to get our spirits in check to come into agreement so that there we can unitedly defeat the enemy or whatever comes our way. Now, understand this thing, this principle of submission is just not just relegated to wives, us wives. Single women, you must learn the voice of God. And in learning the voice of God, you will learn to submit to God. A lot of times, I know, can I tell myself, my problems with submission didn't start with him. My problems with submission started with him. Long before he came into play. And it showed me where I was because I'm seeing it in the word of God. But God, you know my heart, you know how I am, and I'm still a work in progress. No, but I see it, though, don't I? Right. So I should do it. So, you know, when we know Ephesians chapter 5 tells us to submit one to another. There are times where I might have more information, more insight, and more experience with the situation that he chooses to submit to whatever I said. And there's been times I made a mistake in that and vice versa. But we still have the charge to submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. He's talking about spiritual, submitting to spiritual leadership. If you're in this house, you have decided to be a, a participant of part of a family and you trust our leadership. Not saying that we have the responsibility of saying what thus saith the Lord. We have the responsibility of giving you godly counsel. You still own the responsibility to go back, take godly counsel, weigh that against some time in prayer and, and the word so that you can weigh what, God, what thus saith the Lord. Your spiritual leadership does not take God's place. It enhances the counsel that you're seeking. You understand? Mm-hmm. 
The next one we're told to, that we are to submit to the ordinance of government. First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it's the king supreme or to the governors or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Understand that there are laws out there, and the laws are meant to manage the people and to protect us. If you see chaos going on in your neighborhood, what's the first thing you're going to do? Somebody said pray. (laughs) Amen. Pray. Call on the name of Jesus. (laughs) So hopefully within the top three, you're going to call the police. (laughs) And you're going to expect them to do what? Enforce the law. Law. All right. The next one, we have the responsibility to submit to our elders and to each other under God. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We're living in a day and age where we don't even regard the elders. Now, I looked up and did some research on the word elders and come to find out the word elders actually means the proven. Because we all know there ain't no fool like a an old fool. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting that the word elder there also denotes to mean the proven. So when you see someone that is aged that is an elder, I, bro- I was brought up that if they were 15 years older than me, I call them ma'am, sir, miss, mama, whatever. So even though I'm the first lady of this house, you'll notice I call anyone that I deem an elder, I'm calling them mama, miss, It's just in me. I feel weird. And I really have to come out of my comfort zone to address them as Paulette or as Laura. That's how I was brought up. But that also maintains some type of honor. Yeah. Yeah, And it's almost like kids today. See, like, it's like, remember one time, uh, this young man, uh, and it's just normal talk amongst them. And so my son was introducing me to one of his friends, and his friends was talking to me like, bruh. Now, again, the way I was raised, you're getting ready to get popped right in the mouth. I am not your bruh. But they didn't really mean anything by that, if that makes sense to you. But it shows you if you don't instill certain values in these kids, they will address teachers, adults, coaches, elders as bruh. And then ultimately, when we learn the art of submission, when we receive the revelation of the power of submission, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 tells us, wives, when you're submissive to your own husbands, you may without, even if, if they do not obey the word, you may without the word win them by, the, by your conduct, by your chaste conversation or lifestyle. There is power in submission. There is power in relegating a certain level of respect and honor to someone. And mind you, God didn't say to the degree that they deserve it. That's important. He he says nothing about qualifications there. And, you know, in these principles, they don't start when you get married. They start as a child. Submission starts as a child to your mommy and daddy. And then when you go to school, submission is developed with your teachers. And then as you grow a little older, it continues to develop with the police officers and the people in, 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 at, at your first little jobs. And, you know, as we 
regard authority, our submission continues to develop so that when we get married, because mind you, this is 24 right. 7. It don't stop. I That's can't right. check out on this. That's right. In fact, he knows where I am all the time, so he can call me and ask me and re- request something. Uh, Well, wise, I do want to say this as well. In this role of submission, and we all have a responsibility to submit somewhere, okay? I've noticed that when I've talked to some of the, my friends that are in high places and in, in their levels of employment, they say a lot of times when it comes down to layoffs, it's not that we just randomly select people. We select those that are most difficult to deal with. And I say even if they're top performers, and they say top performers at what cost? That's just difficult to deal with because they do not regard authority. But understand this, in marriage, there's also boundaries. Boundaries does not contradict submission. Boundaries helps keep you as an individual and so that you don't allow yourself to grow to this place of resentment towards your spouse. So a lot of times we teach people how to treat us. And if we were all nice and pleasing and want to do everything and be super submissive in the beginning of the relationship, now we get married and we think the chirol is supposed to change. We never establish those boundaries and learn how to maintain them. That's good. Now, that's good. It's, it's still interesting to me that God started off talking about the, the Christian home with wives submitting. And I'll just go past that right there. Let's go to number two. <laughs> point number two today. So point number one uh, today, obviously, my wife just addressed that. Wives, submit to your own husbands, okay? Point number two today. Husbands, love your wives without bitterness. Okay, let's talk about what that looks like. Because how many know the Bible would not say that if it wasn't possible or actually very easy for a husband to become bitter towards his wife? So we're going to talk about what that looks like today, okay? Husbands, love your wives without bitterness, okay? Husbands, love your wives without bitterness. Notice what verse 19 says. Husbands, love your wives, and it's almost a command, and do not what? Didn't go up there. Husbands, love your wives and do not what? Be bitter towards them. It's a command, okay? He's actually commanding us to not allow ourselves to become bitter towards our wives. Let's talk about that a little bit today, guys. Okay, husbands must love their wives to do this, to accomplish this. I've got two points up underneath this. They'll go up on the screen. Husbands must love their wives the way Christ loves the church sacrificially. Okay, go with me to Hebrews chapter or Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands must love their wives the way Christ loves the church sacrificially. And I'm going to talk to single men in here as well, okay? Ephesians chapter 5. Are you there? Okay, let's begin reading at verse 25. Talking about husbands loving their wives and as a command, not allowing themselves to become bitter towards them. Notice what it says here. Husbands, love your wives. Key word here, even as Christ also loved the church. So then is it true or is it safe to say if we don't know how Christ loved the church, we don't know how to love our wives? Right? So think about this for a moment, single person. 
What you want to spend your time doing and preparing for marriage is learning how Christ loved the church. And then you practice that by responding to the Word of God. Watch this. And loving your mother that way. If you have a sister, loving your sister that way. You practice on your siblings, your family, your mother, and you begin to develop. But it is safe to say if you are already married, if you have not learned how Christ loves the church, then you cannot love a woman or a wife the way she needs to be loved. That's right. Okay, let's talk about a little bit more about what that looks like. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church right away. And it says, and he gave himself for it. This word gave here, watch this, means to surrender. It means to yield up. It means to entrust. It means to commit. Now, I want to deal with that word right there. Because, I mean, a lot of men are afraid of commitment. Mm, say that again, babe. Say, you're not afraid of commitment. I hear, I hear the ladies saying, mm, but I don't hear no men saying, <laughs> What I need you all to understand, Christ was committed to the salvation of the church, even to the point of death. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. And so right away, we can see here that there's no sacrifice that the Savior considers too large for the salvation or deliverance of the church. Okay, listen very carefully. So husbands, love your wives even as is huge. Christ also loved the church, and he was willing to empty himself out for that. He was committed to that process, and so he gave himself up for it. A woman will never have a problem submitting to a man that she believes is willing to sacrifice everything for her. That's true. That's true. And she needs to see that. And I'm not talking about anything out of bounds here. I'm just talking about at whatever level he can do it, she can tell he's doing the best he can for her. All right, stay with me now. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He emptied himself out. He committed to this process. There was no sacrifice too great for the salvation, deliverance, well-being of the church or his wife. Look at verse 26. Here's the whole purpose, that he might set it apart and wash it with the washing of water by the what? Now, again, if we don't look these words up, we won't fully understand what they mean. Word there could either be logos or it could be rhema. But in this context, notice what he says here, that he might set her apart, the church or the wife, that he might wash it, cleanse it with the water of the rhema, Mm -hmm. spoken spoken word. word. So I want you to understand this, man. We're not talking to them right Talk about it some more. Talk about it some more. Talk about it. <laughs> See, a lot of times with a woman, it's not what we said. It's how we said it that determines the response we get from her. That's right. So if and you're the lady not getting, said, "Amen." So if you're not getting the kind of response you want. All you've got to go back to is think about, well, how am I communicating to her? 
What is the best way I can communicate? If I don't want to lord over my wife, then I'm going to show her, baby, the goal here is for the two of us to obey God. And so we're living a debt-free life because that's God's will for our lives. Not me saying, don't spend that, don't use no credit cards. I told you, don't go buy that. Every time I take, no, that's not how you win her. <laughs> Just give me the credit card, burn the whole thing up. Crazy self, won't even listen to what somebody tries. How many of y'all know he ain't getting none tonight? He's not getting none tomorrow night, right? And a couple of weeks might go by, and he's like, what's going on, baby? She's like, you got to go all the way back to how you went off three weeks ago about those credit cards. (laughs) When the way to handle that is to find out what God said about it. And then let's now use the spoken word. But watch this. You can't speak it unless it's first in your heart. That's right. That's right. Because out of the abundance of the the mouth. So what's coming out of you is what you've been putting in you. Oh, I'm getting ready to run off this stage, boy. All right. Uh Uh-oh, what is that right there? I see folks out there. What does that mean? (laughs) Something has changed in church. What? Something has changed in church. We don't say amen no more. We just sit this whole little section right here going. What is that right there? I need to come up, right? I need to to get out of the house sometime, right? (laughs) All right, let's keep going. So husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Watch this now gave himself up for that he might set her apart, cleanse her with the washing of water by the words that he speaks. That he might present it. Notice he benefits from this. That, oh, and, and, yes. Can I interject? This? Please. So I didn't God, interrupt you. Stay submissive. I didn't interrupt you when you had your moment. <laughs> Not right now. Let's be an example. Don't talk right now. Let's be This was just quickening my spirit. So just like God created man in the field and he empowered him to speak, called him a speaking spirit because out of our words, we create our environment. So in this, I just truly, using the word rhema there, truly expounds man's even in this stage under the redemptive blood of Jesus in this covenant that we have in him and this grace that when you speak man of God, when you speak in your household, you are releasing a power. Yeah. You are speaking things into existence. Yes. So if your speech is complaining, if your speech is demeaning, if your speech is disrespectful, guess what you're creating in your environment? No, okay, so now good. you can have no, it back. That's so good. <laughs> Be- because, because men, we're like artists. We're like Picassos. And this is our portrait right here. And if we speak to it right... It can be whatever we want it to be. And it'll respond however we want it to respond. So if we're saying, baby, I appreciate you so much. I realize the sacrifice that you made. I watch you clean the clothes. I watch you take care of the kids. And baby, I appreciate everything you do. I want you to know I love what you. you. You're, you you're the most. What you want? What you want? Well, it's getting ready to go down tonight. You hear me? And, and listen, notice. She naturally responds to the words that she hears. 
So watch this. You made an excellent point. I'm either repelling her away from me or drawing her to me. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself. You benefit from this. A glorious church, a glorious wife. See, so, so single men, I'm telling you, listen to what, you, what you're saying. Develop the gift of speaking life. Yes. And not death. All right, where do I practice? I practice on God. I practice on my parents. I practice on my siblings. Right? I, I stop for a moment to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And I ask myself the question, will this produce life or death in this situation? Right? And you develop that because when you get married, they're going to be all day opportunities to say the wrong thing. But if you develop the discipline, it'll bless you in your marriage. So that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Watch this. But that he or she, the church or she, the wife might be holy and without what? Folks, at the end of the day, this woman represents me. And so everywhere she goes, she represents my leadership. And so you can always tell what a man is invested in his wife by the countenance of her face. So when you see her withdrawn and beat down and not happy and, and, and no life and low self-esteem, how I many know that's coming from somewhere? Especially if she's in a marriage. No, you want your wife bubbly, alive, high self-esteem because of what you speak into her life. Now, listen very carefully here. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. That is so powerful. So listen to me, single man. You're never going to take care of her better than you take care of yourself. So, so watch this. If, if, if not cleaning up your room doesn't mean anything to you, That means you're going to keep a nasty house. And most women don't like nasty houses. Most women. Most women. Most. Because there are a few here and there. So I want you to think about what this looks like. So all men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. So listen to me, single men and single women. I want you to look at how he loves himself prior to marriage. So listen, if he didn't get a job before he got married... (laughs) Why would you think that you marrying him is getting ready to make the difference? If purchasing a car for himself wasn't important prior to marriage, why are you dreaming for your dream car? He couldn't buy himself one. If he ate any old kind of way before you got married, you're not about to come in here and fix it. Let's go out to dinner. What do you mean go out to dinner? Some potato chips and cookies right here in the house. (laughs) 
And that might be well and fine when you're 23, 24, 25, 28, 20, 30. But that thing catches up when you're 40, 50 years old. And I'm just, we're just being real practical because a lot of times we get blind. You know how they say love is blind? But let me tell you, marriage is getting ready to be a real eye-opener to you. <laughs> if you close your eyes to these things on the front end. So just get it in your thinking right now. The way I'm going, listen to me, men, the way I will love my wife is to the degree I love myself. And you have to go all the way back to the original context in verse 25 when he says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Listen, he's never going to do more for you than he was able to do for himself. So you want a man that's an achiever prior to marriage. Because success is transferable. You can duplicate that. But you so, can't duplicate what you Exactly. Don't have. And single ladies, I would really admonish you to be sure to not marry for potential. Ooh. Yeah, ambition is sexy, but don't marry for potential. And we're not talking about the aesthetics. We're not talking about how well he looks and all this here stuff. There are some spiritual components you really have to pay attention to. If you have a conversation with any divorcee, male or female, they will always, almost always tell you there were red flags that I ignored. Thinking that the ringy was going to fix the thingy. And it doesn't. Complicates it. It, it, it magnifies that thing so big. See, because when they weren't living together, she didn't seem laying on the couch playing video games all day long. But when you get married and no money's coming in and you sitting down there playing video games, nothing sexy about that. <laughs> and so we cannot stress this enough. And in the marriage, this could be some of the challenges. Never learned how to love me. So I can't give you what I don't have. So if you're in the marriage, you still got to go back and learn how to love you because you're getting ready to see everything through those lenses. If it didn't matter to you, you're going to think it, it shouldn't matter to her. But in reality, listen to me, a woman loves nice things. Every woman does. Don't lie to me. Don't even look at me like that. I will jump off this stage. Don't look... Every woman likes nice things. Listen, ladies, do not leave me out here by myself. I I said every woman likes nice things. You want to determine what degree does he like nice things. And what kind of sense he has in obtaining those nice things. See, is he thug life? Is he by any means necessary? Is he? Or does he have the mentality of delayed gratification, the greater goal, walking in freedom for eternity? That's good. You all getting anything out of this today? Good stuff, okay? All right. So watch this now. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But he nourisheth it. Now, the context here is no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But look what he does. He nourishes it. Guess what the word nourishes inside that word means in the Greek? Trains. 
So I want you to see this. I've never trained myself, disciplined myself. How, I'm, how will I ever discipline my marriage? Now let's put kids in the picture. I've never been trained. I never trained my marriage. Hence what you see in America today. No training. Because you've got untrained men trying to train families. And, and speaking to the social structure today, where you got 52% of households being fatherless. And it's even more than that in the black community. When you grow up and you got mama and kids, the male child and the female child, watching mama protect, watching mama provide, watching mama supply, watching mama comfort, watching mama discipline, watching mama engage, watching mama disengage, watching mama go in the back, watching mama defend. All these things that they're watching mama do. And then these kids eventually grow up. And this young woman here says, I, 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 I don't need a man. I'm a strong black woman. I'm an independent black woman. I can get it done. I can cook up the bacon and fry it up and bring it home. I can do all of it. We run the world, girls. We run the world. <laughs> and, and we'll be running the world all by yourself. Ain't running nothing in my house. That then right you got novel. the boy who grew up to be a young man. And the only love that he knows to receive is the kind of love that his mama gave him. So he's trained now, talking about nourish, he's trained now to let mama make the decisions, to let mama make the living, to let mama run him around, to let mama defend him, to let mama tell him what to do, to let mama and mama and mama. So guess what? He wants a woman that's going to be the wife that's going to tell him what to do, the wife that's going to go to bat for him, the wife that's going to be right or die, the wife that's going to make the decisions, the wife that's going to make it right. Wife's going to go All fill the while, out his application. All not understanding that eternally he don't like it. Yeah. But that's what he's been trained to accept. Yeah. Yeah, so, so just, like, just like mama filled out all his applications for school, now he needs his woman to fill out his application for, for a work. job. He need her to come pick me up for this interview. And I wanted to say, we wanted to say this out loud because we realize that that 52% in the world also matches the 52% that's in the church. And although, praise God for mama. Thank God for mama. But mothers, of especially those boys, you better let him be in tough situations. That's right. Let him figure out how to get out. That's right. You want to train him to be a man, That's not right. be your son. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and listen. Not be your baby. That's right. Because that baby has to be a man. That baby has to be a man. So you train him, you develop him, you sit him down and say, this is what you're going to have to do in paying these bills. Yeah. This is what a man does. But... Daddy's not here. That's right. But that doesn't mean that his mother raised him as a single mother. That's right. She trained him at, when he was 16 years old. Boy, you got to pay these bills. Oh, you want to do it your way? You go get a job. You want those clothes? You work it out and save your money. 
And, and guess what? I'm doing my son the exact same way. He, he doesn't understand it. It's hard on him. You want that? Go out there and wash those cars. Three cars out there, $20 per car. Go wash the cars. He said, Daddy, what, what, what am I getting for my 15th birthday? A job. <laughs> Already got four of them lined up for him right now. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to get him a gift, but I've got to train him differently than I do my daughter. Let's close. Let's keep moving. Let's close it up. Look at, look at verse 29. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourisheth it. Word cherish means he fosters it. He takes care of himself, even as, and he closes it out, even as what? The Lord does the church, okay? Now, let's talk very quickly here, very briefly. He also, point number, letter B here, be not bitter against them. This word bitter means to embitter. See, so in other words, I'm making her bitter by my bitterness. So if you go back to everything else we've been saying, when I'm not happy with me, I'm giving you my unhappiness. No, that's See, a lot of times, ladies, you think it has nothing to do with you. He's frustrated with himself. See, his inability to excel makes him angry at you because when he sees you, it reminds him what he's not doing. And so he's responding. He's embittered with himself. So now he's embittering you with his words. This is what he's talking about here. So when he's saying, husbands, love your wives, be not bitter towards them. So if you get you together and you learn how to love you, that's going to keep you from being bitter towards her. Also means to be harsh. It means to be resentful. And this was interesting here. Greek word here defined it this way, answering negatively. So you know you're bitter when every time you're asked a question, you have a negative answer with a negative attitude. I submit to you, man, that's not other people, that's you. So you've got to uproot the, bit, uproot the bitterness out of you so that you don't treat other people that way. Because mm. I guarantee you, it's not just the wife, it's the kids and mm. everybody else. Yep. It's okay to say amen or do something. <laughs> All right, so number, I was just trying to find out from the husband. That's right. You're doing the right thing. Do what I tell you to do. <laughs> Stay Whether in line. We should pick this up later, continue this later on, because it's still quite a bit of information. But he said, go ahead and hit it quickly. So number three, children, obey your parents. That's the next verse there. Children, obey your parents, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Understand here, the word there, obey, now this is different than the word of submit. This is hupakuo, and it means the same thing. This is in proper order, but this is to take and heed the advice of, listen to and embrace the instruction you've been given. That's what children are supposed to do. Guess what? It says in, Ephesians talks about in the Lord. Because we know that there are parents out there, out there that instruct, encourage, and exemplify some foolishness. No mother and father should be sitting down getting high with their kids. It happens. Fathers shouldn't be out there 
uh, getting their 16-year-old boys private apartments so they can handle their business at these private apartments and not in his house. These things happen, okay? So understand that when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, Ephesians chapter 5 is it that says that. Mm-hmm. There is a responsibility that is still directs to the parent to be in the Lord and that that child has to be submitted or uh, uh, obedient to that. So understand this. If you came from a well-intended household, because everybody has some type of dysfunction. Jesus came from a dysfunctional household. Okay? All of us have some type of dysfunction, but it still does not nullify the word of God. It is still sharper than any two-edged sword. And even as adults, learning to honor our parents. As single adults, if your parents are still here, learning to honor them even despite what you don't like about them. But still relegating honor to them, some level of obedience to them is pleasing to the Lord. That's right. And guess what? Children are willing to reciprocate that when they see that being exemplified in the household. You know, a lot of people, my kids, they get along great. And we are nobody's example or standard by no means. I'm not putting us on anybody's throne. But I will say this. A lot of times people ask us, because our kids, they are each other's best friends. They are very, very close. Sometimes I'm like, okay, you know what? I I need it for you to tell on him on that one, though. Boy, you should have told me that she did that. Yeah, because we brought them they up. They look out for each they other. They look out for each other because we brought, you know, that tattletale stage. And their instruction was, and they would get spankings after a while. If it's not hurting themselves or somebody else, you don't need to go telling on them. And this, but this, now I kind of. <laughs> but, but anyway, but one time I asked my, my daughter, I said, why is your brother your best friend? He said, because daddy's your best friend. She saw that exemplified, and I believe because of her relationship with her brother, she's going to be a great wife. Yeah. Because of his relationship, and his, uh, he adores his older sister. That's right. One day, he's going to be a great husband. One day. One, one day. <laughs> but children are admonished to obey their parents, and this is well-pleasing. There are some promises here that God says here, uh, not only is it pleasing to God, but then he goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 6 that you will enjoy long life on the earth and that things will go well with you. A lot of times when we have fractured relationships as a habit, it's because we've had and have had to endure fractured relationships in our past, and it comes from primarily our parents. In most cases, when you identify a person who has had bad, negative relationships with their parents, either one or both, you'll see that there's a pattern of bad relationships that they ended up experiencing throughout life, save the redemptive power of the Word of God. That's good. That's good. All right, let's close right here. Uh, Number four, fathers don't provoke your children. Point number four, if you go back to Colossians chapter three, it says, fathers provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Okay. So let's just talk about that very quickly. We know inside of the word provoke is the word poke. So as fathers, what we want, don't want to do is just keep messing with our children. Yeah. Just messing with them, poking at them for no reason. It's no, they don't, you know, we just, let me go mess with them today. Right? So we don't want to do things to poke at them, provoke them. But this word provoke here literally means to stimulate to anger. Uh, Ephesians kind of translates it this way, to anger them with your anger. So try not to respond to your children out of anger. 
Discipline yourself to get to the point where I'm correcting the behavior. I'm angry at the behavior, but I love the child. How many of y'all know those are two different things there? And the child, even though he understands you're disappointed, should always still know that you love him. Right? And so we don't want to anger them with our anger. The word discouraged here means, this is very interesting, it means to be spiritless and it means to be disheartened or dismayed. So when you start seeing a child that doesn't look like they have hope anymore, they've lost their spirit, they no longer have drive, they're not motivated, it could be because they, don't, they no longer believe that the parents, in particular the father, believes in them. Just think about the word discourage, right? What is it the opposite of encourage? So if all my kid is ever getting is when I'm coming down on him, I can literally make that kid spiritless. That kid can lose confidence, male or female. So if you just think of the opposite of the word discourage is encourage. Our, our children need us, especially as fathers, to be encouragers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even if they're not doing the best that they can be, what part of it that we believe they should be, what part of it can we still find to encourage? Right. You all listening? Yeah. All right. Now, we're going to close because we're just out of time. I just want to talk about this. There are other things we could have said. How can a father be guilty of provoking and discouraging their children? And these should go up on the screen. I just want to give you a few of them. Uh, absenteeism. Right? So you have the father who is in the home, but he's not home. Right? I mean, you can be there and still never spend time with the kids, never talk to them, never encourage them. Believe it or not, that's worse for the kid than the kid that the father's not in the home. All right, so absenteeism is a big issue. Let's just say the father's not in the home. You're still the child's father, and you still need to be present in the child's life in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Even if you live in different states, that's why we have smartphones now, and, and things can be videotaped. Hello, somebody. Facebook FaceTime, Live. FaceTime. We can Skype. FaceTime. We can talk. We can still be engaged in our children's lives even when we're not married to the mother even when they live in different places, okay? So absenteeism. The, the other one here is unfair discipline, right? All discipline should be fair, all right? And again, there are a lot of things I could say about that. The next one kind of leads into what fair uh, discipline looks like. Punishment without instruction, right? And so anytime we're just punishing the kid and we don't give any instruction behind it, then we're producing rebellion in the kid because the kid doesn't understand. So we're literally expecting a change in the kid's behavior, but we never gave them the instruction or told them what that change looks like. So the kid gets frustrated, sits on his head and does nothing because he doesn't understand or she doesn't understand. And let me add to that, you know, especially when you're dealing with teenagers, and that's where we are today, and we've dealt with, we got about 1,200 kids out there in the world, the, the instruction without, I mean, punishment without instruction, you cannot be discouraged if they don't get it at your point of instruction. When they become older, you know, there, there's a time of life when mom and dad knows everything, and it just seems like overnight they slip into this time of life where mom and dad knows Nothing. nothing. 
And when it's, it's in that stage, just like Jacob, remember Jacob kept referring to God. God's talking to him in visions and dreams all this time. But he kept saying, you're the God of Abraham and you're the God of, 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 of Isaac. And, and, and he, he wouldn't acknowledge him as his God until they had that fight in the desert. And remember, God touched the socket of his, of, of his thigh. And then after that, if you go back and re- read it, he starts talking about you are my God. So allow that t- kid time to just, you repeat, don't discourage, but repeat the instruction over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And don't be discouraged if he didn't respond the right way the first time. You have to give him time to accept that instruction, just like God, as their life's instruction, their God. That's good. Excellent. Next one. Not creating a pathway towards redemption. Yes, we have to discipline our kids. Yes, there should be consequences. But, you know, there should be a pathway also to redemption. Yeah, that's good. And I'm talking about where they can get the full benefit of what they potentially lost. Didn't God treat us the same way? It's called grace, right? We're dealing with that with my son right now. So, so we now have what's called a pathway of redemption for him because he missed the highest goal, right? And so what we can't do is cancel him out. We've got to now create a new plan. It's not the same plan as the other plan, but it still can arrive at the same goal. Why? Because you want to keep the kids striving. That's right. That's right. Number, the next one, being hypocritical. We cannot be the do as I say, not as I do parents. You know, that's how I was raised. Don't worry. Don't listen. I'm the mama. I'm the daddy. Don't don't ask me no questions. Don't worry about what I'm doing. You just do what I tell you to do. But I thought you said smoking kills people. (laughs) Listen to me. I said smoking is not good for you. We can't be like that. Right? Being hypocritical, believe it or not, is one of the things that drives kids so far away from the church. Then the last one, never encouraging or supporting your children. All right? And so we're just out of time today. Did you all get anything out of this today? Okay? So we've got to keep working at this, okay? We've got to keep, we've got a lot of work to do, but we have to keep working at this if the family is going to look the way God originally created and designed this family to look. Let's all stand to our feet, and let's just lift our hands to the Father today. Uh, They'll pray something for me soft. I just want you to begin to reflect. I'm sure everyone in this room, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, I'm sure you heard some things that just pricked your spirit today. And so I just want you to lift your hands to the Father and begin to talk to him out of your own heart today. And make it personal. This is not about your spouse. This is just about you and your role and and whatever you heard today that helps bring you up. And so, Father, I just pray for every person today that heard your word. My prayer is that your word was deposited and fell on good ground today. And it'll produce a harvest, Father, some 30, some 60, but some 100-fold production because of the condition of their hearts and their motive to hear, Father. I pray for change in marriages. I pray for change in parenting, Father. I pray for change where singles are concerned, Father, for focus, for being deliberate in their actions, Father. But overall, Father, help the church, the families in the church, look more like your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. May we all be synchronized, Father, in such a light to the world because your word works in our lives. So, Father, I pray for every person in here. Let them eat the fruit. As they obey, Father, may the fruit quickly manifest. 
We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. If you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you would, just look up here at me for a moment. I want you to know that God loves you and we love you too. He sent his son to die. And the scripture talks about if he...